Hey everyone, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I'm your host, Meg Ricci, and this podcast series is about demystifying your hormonal issues and the struggles that you deal with and everything that dances in between. So I'm so glad you can join me today. And if you are new to this podcast, welcome. I hope you'll come back. You can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. And if you like what you're hearing, please share this with all your friends and also leave a good review. It brings other women to the show because I am all about demystifying women's health issues so you can give birth to the best version of who you are. I'm excited about today's podcast. It's a topic that comes up in, I would say, 80 to 95% of the women that I work with. I see so many women that are struggling with this issue. I see it with women that have fibroids and endometriosis, migraines, infertility issues, unexplained aches and pains and fibromyalgia and Hashimoto's and other autoimmune issues that go on and on and rashes. And we are talking about constipation. And I feel that so many women do not realize they're constipated. I've had clients say to me, and it's funny because I always look over everybody's intake forms before we meet. I'm a virtual practitioner. And I always go down to the section about bowel movement and digestion. And I want to see how many bowel movements people are having a day or one, are they going once a week, twice a week? Are they skipping? And I've had women say to me, well, I'm regular. And I'm like, well, my love, you're going once every two to three days. And then they pause, but they say, but Meg, I've always gone every three days since I was a little kid. That might be why you're having some problems with skin rashes and some autoimmune issues. We have to make sure. It's so important to make sure that women are having daily bowel movements. And today's episode, Constipation, an American Epidemic. So I just want to pause for a moment and let you know, my next guest, her name is Sandra Bargeron, and I call her Sandy. And I actually called her early this morning and I said, hey, I'm in Atlanta. She's in Colorado. I'm not sure if she had her coffee yet. But I said, today, let's focus on constipation. But I want to do a part two on the next podcast. And I want to take a deeper dive into detoxification. What does that really involve and what can women do? That's an important part. So today, we're going to speak about having regular daily healthy bowel movements, crucial. And we'll talk about what you can do. And we're going to look at those underlying issues and give you a better understanding of what's going on with your poo schedule each day. So the conventional definition of constipation, and this is also included on the Mayo Clinic's website, having three or fewer bowel movements in a week is considered constipation. I'm going to pause for a moment. In my world, I want to make sure that women and men are having two to three bowel movements daily. So that means I want to make sure you're having 14 to 21 bowel movements in a week, not three. Think about how much food you consume and think about how many movements you're having in a day or a week. 
If you're not going on a regular basis, this is contributing to toxicity in the body and contributing, as I said, to many of these symptoms that I've mentioned and also can contribute to cancer. My father had severe constipation, and I believe a contributing factor to his prostate cancer was the constipation issue. What I'd like to do today is I want to, again, give you recommendations and suggestions of how you can tackle constipation of healthy bowels. Healthy bowels are an important part of healthy hormones, healthy immune system, having healthy neurotransmitters, having a happy mood. And I get to share that conversation with my dear friend, Sandy, Sandra Bargeron. She is a double board PA with a degree in general practice medicine and an additional master's in anesthesiology. She has been in clinical practice since 2004 and is currently completing her PhD in traditional naturopathy. And after a personal battle that she had, and she'll talk about this, with autoimmune issues, Sandra began serving women with complex health issues as a holistic health consultant. Her virtual practice is based in Colorado, and she serves people from around the globe. She currently focuses on chronic fatigue, Lyme disease, holistic anesthesia recovery. I feel that she is pretty extraordinary when it comes to long haulers, but still dealing with the repercussions of COVID. And I just sent someone to her recently. This is really her jam for chronic fatigue, Lyme. And that mysterious illness stuff is really what Sandy is so great at addressing. So without further ado, I am going to bring on my partner in crime in helping you demystify constipation issues. And Sandy, I want to welcome you to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with your personal story. And your story about constipation and health, you didn't even know you were constipated, as so many people. I mean, this is, I mean, you and I have said this. I would say, I asked you the other day, you said 100% of my clients right now are having issues with constipation. And my new clients, I would say out of the last 10, nine have constipation and one has loose stool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or they fluctuate between. Or they, so, yes, yeah. or they when yeah. they go hard or <laughs> not absorbing anything. Yes. So let's talk about your story and how did that bring you to the realm of holistic medicine? Well, thank you for asking for me to share my story. It's a little windy. I started when I was younger. I developed um, autoimmune disease when I was younger. I was about twelve years old with psoriasis and. You know, you would never think that that's connected to your gut, but it is. (laughs) And, you know, honestly, there's a whole host and we can go into these factors later, but that contributed to this. And, you know, my childhood was pretty intense. Like many people, there was areas where I wish we had a little different experience, some childhood trauma and things like that. And and that that combination of things early on can really disrupt your gut health. Um, and that contributes to autoimmune. And yeah, and I, so. and I want to, and not to interrupt, I want to go into that during today's podcast, mm-hmm. into that emotional component, how that affects our bowels. Yeah, because it's very important. Mm-hmm. 
So didn't even think about my gut. We, I did everything the doctor said. And on top of that, I was a military brat. So <laughs> I had military doctors just giving me steroids. So I, I had steroids, topical steroids that I was using for almost 20 years wow. before they stopped working. We call that tachyphylaxis when your drugs stop working. <laughs> and when they stopped working, it was just the perfect storm. So I, I, I'm moving forward. I went to, um, PA school and I graduated in 2004. I practiced for a while in a variety of different, um, specialties, including female health. And that just drove home <laughs> the idea that constipation wasn't a big deal. I remember, um, uh, even doing my internship with a pediatric gastroenterologist who said he counseled a patient's mother, okay, as a two-year-old, counseled the mother that, oh, the child's only having one bowel movement a day, I mean, a week, and she, she was concerned about it. And he said, that's okay. You know, one to two is fine a week. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. According to the American Gap, you know, and he quoted some quote. And this is, of course, this is 2003. I think they've updated those protocols. But but still, I was like, oh, okay, well, then that's normal. And I think I repeated that a couple of times in my practice when I was a early PA. So that was what I thought. But when I went into surgical subspecialties, what we noticed, of course, surgical trauma and the narcotics, these things really slowed the gut down. And so I knew my patients wouldn't get well if they didn't poop. <laughs> so I would, on my own, just counsel them to go get some pericolase or colase over the counter and take it every single time they took a narcotic because they would not move their bowels right. if they didn't, especially these older patients. And so that was all I had in my arsenal. So moving along, I, I went on and got a secondary degree in anesthesia. That was a pretty grueling oh <laughs> training process. And at the end of that, I was pregnant with my third child and I started my job in anesthesia and my health took a dive. <laughs> so at that point, it was like that perfect storm. Like I said, the 20 years of st topical steroids stopped working and stress and, you know, exposure. I mean, can you, there's a lot of exposure in the hospital. All of those things just culminated to a full-blown, you know, dive. My skin condition got out of control. I had joint pain and, of course, my bowels weren't moving. <laughs> I didn't think that had anything to do with it, of course. <laughs> and I'll just say a lot of people don't realize the connection between joint pain and constipation or achiness. Yep. Well, it's interesting, though, there was a mindset shift that had to happen with me. I was so used to the bandage approach mm -hmm. to health. Okay, I was raised in the military, <laughs> so... You know, we bandaged it. I took topical steroids, topic, you know, for my psoriasis. And then that only was driven further home when I, you know, in my medical practice. I mean, we didn't really go to root cause. We gave you, you had high blood pressure. We give you a blood pressure medication to lower the blood pressure. We're not asking why. Psoriasis, we're not asking why. So when my illness really took a, went crazy that after I finished um, anesthesia school, I went back to to the dermatologist thinking, surely in the last eight years, there's been a change, right? There's there's something new. And they said, oh, yeah, well, we do have new forms of this drug. A new <laughs> steroid. Yeah, new forms of this oh drug. And what they wanted to give me was an immune suppressing oh, drug. Gosh. And of course, I was like, okay, I know a little bit <laughs> that that's not a good idea. I don't want to take that. And I, 
I chose not to and just to live with it for a few months until I stumbled onto some natural remedies. And those natural remedies, I still treated them like band-aids. You know, I was like, okay, let's see how these fix the problem. You know, the problem's the rash. Problem's not the rash. <laughs> the rash is a symptom. A symptom of a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. So, but they did help. And that was kind of the open door. So why don't so, you share, I mean, you did essential oils. What else did you incorporate? Yeah, I did essential oils. I did stress relaxation. I added in some herbal supplements to work on the liver. But the big thing was I was missing the gut. I still was missing the Mm. gut. My psoriasis rash improved dramatically, but it would still flare during periods of stress. Not as badly, but it would still flare. And it wasn't until I was like, I think there's something I'm missing. And I came across some study about probiotics. I introduced those and some digestive enzymes. And it's, I mean, it went away and didn't come back. It was a game changer. (laughs) It was a game changer. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed, one of the first things I noticed was I'm pooping every day. (laughs) Wow, this is different. Does everybody poop every day? Is this normal? (laughs) So that was the biggest thing I noticed. Um, And then from there on, I just began researching and I just, I was like, you open Pandora's box, you know, and I'm a natural researcher. So I just continued to read and read and learn and and discovered that, oh, what I've been doing for the last, you know, 20 years now, but it was at the time, I think it was 12 years hmm, and spent all that money going to school learning. It was really just bandaged approach. And we really do have to address the root cause. And the root cause is often let's say it's a combination of stress, mineral deficiencies, toxic load, right? Mm-hmm. So you just have to be a great investigator and it does take more time. It's not an easy approach, you know? So that led me to my health improved. It was a grace because my son, I had several kids with issues. I had one Sandy that had ADHD. has five children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember I was pregnant with my third when I finished anesthesia school. So that was one of the stressors, right? That child developed Lyme disease about seven years later. And it was enough time for me to have studied quite a bit and have a little bit in my arsenal to be able to help him. But I started with my my first son who had profound ADHD. I mean, profound. Mm. He was medicated when he was four because I did everything that we told we were told to do in medicine. So you know, and he started having improvements. Everything started changing in his health. And so long story short, when my son, my third child developed Lyme, I did take him to a functional health practitioner with environmental, he has an environmental specialist. He did a lot of the labs that I do now, and he recommended a lot of things I recommend now, but there was still a little bit of education that I needed to fill in there. And so it was kind of an education going to, to a functional health practitioner myself. Long story short, from what I learned from the labs that he performed on my son, I was able to address the problem. And and the problem for him really was that combination, that classic Lyme combination of, you know, mold, Lyme, parasites. And, (laughs) And I think what will be interesting is in the next episode, we can take a deeper dive into what that was about and explore that more. But I think what I want to do, and I want you to continue, is to try to Let's focus on, for people today, that constipation bowel issue. So the interesting thing with him, 
was the one part of critical to his treatment mm-hmm. was getting that bowel movement. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I want to draw on at the same time I had, I finally had my girl. I have four boys and yeah, one girl. She's so cute. <laughs> I'm just so thankful for my health crisis because I learned to look at the body differently. I've started to look at the poop, <laughs> you know. And when my baby, little girl, was about two years old, I started to notice that her stool was clay colored. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was clay colored. It was not brown. It was clay colored. Yes. And that was an indication of liver issues. So we started really paying attention to what what stool patterns mm-hmm. looked like, what the stool health looked. And, and I actually gauge a lot of her improvement based on how her poop looks, you know. So so that's my story. And after that I, I started helping people. Of course, I started helping people as soon as I started getting better. And I was like, you need to try this. <laughs> you need to try that. And I don't know why, but you do for now, you know. But as I became more knowledgeable, I started to apply it. And now I'm obviously going to get my PhD in traditional naturopathy. I'm serving people where I can right now already virtually and um I have a pretty busy practice. So <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you know, you're my, as you know, Cindy's really good with uh, COVID long haulers too. And you're my go-to when I need to refer people your way. And you speak to me when it comes to hormonal issues. We, and we chat a few times a day. I was pretty upset early on when I realized, oh my goodness, I'd spent almost a half a million dollars or more on my education. And really I didn't ever learn how to do root cause. Like how do I not know this stuff? I was like, why did I take that track? I don't. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Here's this is how I always look at it. You had to go that route to bring you here. You have this rich background in understanding the body. You really yeah, do. Does, you do more so than most help. docs. And then what happens? You infuse that functional medicine. That to me, it's when you're looking for the root rootiest causes for things. That's a big difference because there are a lot of people that quote unquote say they do functional medicine and they miss the boat. I had a client that I'll be working with who is having thinning hair and she's breaking out. She's got a lot of gas and bloat and he was putting her on hormones and all these supplements. I said, what did he do for your gas and bloat? And he said to her, oh, I don't treat that. You have to go to somebody else. And I said, that is not functional medicine. The first thing you address is the gut. The gut is the foundation for your hormones. And also, you know, as you know, and I I said, it's not just fecal matter being stuck in your gut. You know, you're also detoxing from your blood. I mean, those toxins from your bloodstream, they end up Mm -hmm. in the bowels. So you, I love talking to you because you have that deep knowledge. I'll be like, what does this test mean? Or what is this? And then you're able to rattle off the definition. So I know you you spent a half a million dollars on your education, (laughs) but you're really good at what you do. So, Well, I thank you for that. You're so sweet. It's true. But I did come to a place where I go, okay, I do have, I I can fill in the gap a little bit between both worlds, which is a blessing. You know, I can and that's why I that the holistic anesthesia recovery kind of birthed out of that because I realized people their brains need to be protected, especially in anesthesia. Yeah. You know, and so poop has everything to do with that. So <laughs> let's talk about the world of poo. Do you know that la- I did an episode? I think it was episode twenty four on constipation, and I wanted to revisit it with you today. 
And what happened is that I had put a post up on Google and Google took it down because there was, I mentioned the word poo. So I... (laughs) I think so. I think it's really funny. But anyway, let us take a deep dive into the world of poo and bowel movement. And let's talk about it and what you're seeing in your practice, what you're doing, what I'm seeing in my clinical experience, and the things that we can do to address constipation. I mean, I've seen, I had a woman last week and she was nursing her baby. And she was nursing for three months and wanted to stop nursing. She had constipation. The baby had constipation. And I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to work on your constipation naturally. I'm going to put you on probiotics. And I'm going to give you a probiotic that you can put on your nipple as you're nursing. I said, because your baby needs your milk to support her immune system and her microbiome. And then I took her off certain foods like dairy and gluten, which can be really a, a challenge for kids. On that vein, mm-hmm. I have to say, on that vein, just just a little perspective, and I have did a lot of obstetric yeah. anesthesia, and I would say that 90% or more children, mm-hmm. babies are coming out with significant colic, like significant yeah. discomfort in their gut. I mean, my babies are not, no exception mm-hmm. to that rule. 90%. That's a lot of babies coming out with digestive. So they're starting, we're starting life not very good. With well, do, I mean, gas and yeah, bloat. <laughs> and a lot of women go into pregnancy with not the best microbiome. I don't want to make exactly. women wrong and get them all nervous about if you're mm. pregnant right now, taking a good probiotic, yeah. eating some fermented vegetables. All these things, yeah. a full spectrum probiotic is, as you know, and you can, is really going to be helpful. But if in general, I mean, I see women that are in their twenties and thirties coming to me, they've been constipated since birth. So I have to figure out what do they need? And mm-hmm. I know that in my practice is hydrochloric acid is low stomach acid is a big deal. Yeah, that was a, a measurable thing too. I can almost trace it as I had five children. So my first was full-blown allopathic mm-hmm. approach, right? My digestive system was a wreck. I got mastitis and quit nursing. Yeah. The second one, mm-hmm. I got mastitis twice, mm-hmm. had antibiotics twice, and I managed to make it 12 months. Wow. Third child, I got mastitis, that's the limey, mm-hmm. three times. Wow. I became resistant to antibiotics. And at this point, I was still not taking a probiotic. Oh, my goodness. The fourth one, I took a probiotic. And guess what? I didn't get mastitis. (laughs) Isn't that? Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Your gut and your breast flora, I mean, your gut flora affects everything. How you're pooping affects everything. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to add that because that's your population. (laughs) So important for women to address and know because... A lot of women that listen to this podcast are looking to be potential mommies or they're mommies right now. Probiotics, full spectrum probiotics are really, really important. Yes. But probiotics may not be the answer for some women that are constipated. And yeah. you know, and they're like, I'm taking all these probiotics and I'm I'm taking all this fiber, which can make it worse, and I'm drinking all this water. Yep. 
Some of those times I see that, I think most of the time that I see that it's a, a patient with SIBO oh, yeah. or a client with SIBO, right? They take a probiotic and like, it made me yeah, worse. Absolutely. I got bloated. Yeah. It was awful. So, you know, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, just so you know, for your audience, SIBO. Um, that can actually, yeah, we talk about that you a know, lot make here. You have a, yeah, and large and that contributes to constipation. Oh yeah. yeah, so that you know that contributes to poor motility as well, and contributes to your constipation. So you do have to address that kind of stuff as well when you're looking at making your bowels move. Like, what are the causes? What causes constipation, Meg? <laughs> oh my God, life. I mean, what I what I see, <laughs> what I see with so many women, and and you know, I have a large baby mommy fertility practice and I have a lot of women that are dealing with endometriosis and fibroids and a lot of PCOS. And I say to them, Mm -hmm. the very first thing, it's really funny at the end of a 90 minute session, you know, I'll spend all this time and like, we've got to focus on you having bowel movements. I've got to change your diet. And we go through an anti-inflammatory diet and, you know, a lot of times hydrochloric acid, um, People are low in stomach acid. We need stomach acid. It helps us to I know. break it. And isn't that funny? I mean, this is one of those things it's that easy. was one of those dominoes that fell for yeah. me, you know, when I was coming out of the, the medical world. To the, I'm like, we take PPIs. So I started oh looking God. at these PPIs. PPIs proton pump Nexium, inhibitors, pro- let people know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your Nexium, your protonics, those yeah. things that block stomach acid. And I, A lot of people mm-hmm. do Tums. And those actually, the long-term studies now show that there are bone density oh, yeah. issues. There's all kinds of health issues related to that. And it totally makes sense if you understand physiology. There are certain things, minerals you will not absorb if, you st- if you're low in stomach acid. And that's the beginning of digestion. So you're not, you're going to get constipated on those yes. drugs. So hydrochloric acid was sort of like, I give them acid. I know. And well, they don't you know, get I, I use the analogy. <laughs> a lot of times when people are getting this gertie kind of thing with constipation or in general, I said, your stomach has to register that there's enough stomach acid in it. So what is it? The LAS valve. So it shuts. And the LAS valve is like the lid That's on right. the washer. Well, if you were to keep the washer open, what would happen? It would spew up all that stuff. So you're spewing up stomach acid. It's not that your body is, stomach is producing too much. It's too little for many people. What's funny is I had really significant reflux when I was in PA school, shockingly. (laughs) And so I did the typical, I went to see the doctor. I had an upper endoscopy Mm -hmm. and he said, oh, your acids are fine, but your digestive system is it's moving in reverse. So in other words, we call that reverse peristalsis. Uh-huh. In other words, we're we're moving, the muscle is contracting backwards and pushing the small intestinal contents back into the stomach, which is causing the reflux. Now, what causes that? <laughs> what causes that? It has to do with the way the nervous system yeah. is, the health of the hydrochloric acid in your gut. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to propel forward. And guess what else? Probiotics are a healthy, you know, microbiome. So when I corrected the microbiome, my reflux completely oh, went no. away. Oh, absolutely. And another part of that too, when I'm looking at constipation, aside from looking at hydrochloric acid, I look at bile flow and, you know, t- 100%. Tudka. Tudka's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Bitters. 
bitters, mm-hmm. Swedish bitters, or bitters that have ginger and burdock. Bitters are, you know, a lot of times people know bitters as something that they put in their cocktail, but you can get bitters at the health food store and start with a spoon of that. It makes such a difference. I, I just want to give people some basic things mm-hmm. that they can do. Ideally, if you're really having chronic constipation, you, you want to be working with a practitioner like myself or someone like Sandy who can really guide you and help you figure out what are the moving pieces here that need to be addressed. Healthy bile is oh so important. Um, yes. Because, and the gallbladder, mm-hmm. it does have a function contrary to what your surgeon will tell you. We joke in the hospital that the gallbladder removal is the number one. Is there anybody left on this planet that has a gallbladder because we take it out so much? But it is a really important organ because it massages the chyme, which mm-hmm. becomes your bile. And then it that bile is critical for absorption of your minerals, which again is contributing to whether your bowel is moving forward or backwards. So your bile is critical and your gallbladder is really important. And so you want to maintain the health of those things. You ideally want to try to not to take it out if you can. Mm-hmm. If you have, it's you know, you're still going to make bile. But it's just um, not going to be stored. It's just going to be dumped. Yeah, it's just, it's going to be a little different and you have to work mm-hmm. with it a little differently. But that bile movement is important, like you were saying, and getting it moving. You know, like you said, the Swedish bitters and the tudka, sometimes just grapefruit and lemon. <laughs> those things help a lot, actually. And cilantro, <laughs> if you just add those to your diet. I know that's wild and crazy. But well, there's a lot things yeah, like we that can do with, with food. I mean, I have a friend of mine, so I went by the gym. I was... and. I saw my friend, he's the manager of our gym, and he's sitting there. He's like, gray. I said, what's the matter? And he's massaging his right shoulder with one of those, I forget the name of the this electric thing that you kind of massage your shoulder. And I looked at him. Electric massage. Whatever it is. And I went, oh, my God. I looked at him. I said, you're having a gallbladder attack. And he looked at me. I said, sweetheart. You're having a gallbladder attack. He was nauseous. So I went home. This happened two weeks ago. I went home. I said, I'm going to be back in a few minutes. I gave him a half bottle of bitters that I had. Swedish bitters, by the way. You can get this at the health food store. And I had some tudka. And I said to him, I want you to take the bitters. I had him take it a few times a day. I want you to do the tudka twice a day. 36 or two days later, he felt really nauseous. He threw up had a bowel movement, felt fine. Mm-hmm. He passed gallstone and it, the nausea Absolutely. and everything completely went away. And I saw him and oh he said, sense. I love you. Your dog just came in the room. <laughs> I love it. Everybody comes in during a podcast. They were barking because they didn't want to be away from uh, they me. Love you. So um, he probably just had a poo and he's so excited. He just wants to share with you his love. That's so, right. <laughs> so my friend... He had, yeah, he said, Meg, after that, I felt completely normal. So every time I see him at the gym, he's like, I'm taking my bitters every day. And his <laughs> husband is a pediatric cardiologist. He said, yeah, you just had a lot of sludge. And yes, that's what happened. And a lot of people don't realize, I, I want you to talk about it. There's a lot of people have a lot of gallbladder or bile sludge. Right. And it blocks all those, yes. it, you know, it blocks it. So that anatomy is really fascinating. <laughs> I won't bore you with it, but the sludge will block all those, the common bile duct and the common bile duct drains from the pancreas also. So you Break end up with all kinds terms. of pan- we have little ladies. pancreatic yes. stuff. <laughs> the pancreas, pancreas is, a, you can't live without your pancreas. Yes. It's your insulin producer, but 
if you mess up your pancreas or mm-hmm. it's not draining well, you're not releasing enzymes yes. that you need for your digestion. And what that looks like is itching, rash. Those people that have itching all the mm-hmm. time, I just itch all the time. I don't know. Yeah, that itchy, itchy. Rich, itch. Yeah. But yeah. And now, of course, there's other right. things that can contribute to that. But sludge in the and the column and bile duct from, that drains into, into the gallbladder from the pancreas and the liver that will absolutely obstruct that and cause that because it'll just drain into the next detox gland, the biggest one we have, which is your skin, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So the other thing, the getting your bile moving mm-hmm. as part of pooping is important yes. because it's also absolutely. what kind of binds up toxins that are drained from the liver. So it, it's going to bind those toxins up. You're going to mix with glutathione and all that stuff. And then it's going to drain into the into the stool. And that's actually what gives your stool the right color. So if you don't have normal color... You're poop, going to get that clay. If you, yeah, that that's green. why I knew my daughter's liver yeah, wasn't something working. Was wow. Something was wrong yeah. with her liver because bile makes your poop brown or, you know... Mm-hmm. If it's not working well, it's going to be it, green. But it's, it also it's brown. <laughs> very important for women to know it helps them detox estrogen. Hundred percent. Oh my gosh, this is huge. huge. Yep. Herbs that are really, really good for that. And I'm going to pull up one of my lovely guides, dietary guides. But bitter herbs are really, really essential to help with bile flow. So things like arugula and artichoke and broccoli, Rob, anything. Bitter, Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. cabbage, radicchio, dandelion. I have a recommendation that I, I make to women all the time. You can make this great green juice. I think I mentioned this to you. You take two big bunches of greens. It can be super greens, power greens, and then take a bunch of dandelion, a half a lemon, a little ginger, maybe about 12, 10, 12 ounces of water. And you, and you can put cilantro in there. I put everything in my green juice. I'll probably do one after mm-hmm. we do this podcast. And <laughs> drink and then just swirl it in your blender until you get a really good smooth consistency and drink that. You will actually have better energy. And it's just oh, so beautiful because it opens up the bile flow. It opens up the liver. I mean, how many times? No, and I, I was talking to a friend yesterday and she said, I want to refer my sister because she goes to the bathroom once a week. And she said, (laughs) my friend's a teacher, and she said, I have two big movements a day. And after every movement, I feel like a champ. I feel really good. Grandma wasn't crazy. (laughs) You know, we used to make fun of, or I mean, I don't know if we, I mean, you joke about elderly people being obsessed about their poop, but they know they feel better when they remove the the toxins in the stool from their body. So there's this thing that happens if you don't, okay, this... This is something I try to teach people. So everybody's everybody knows about glutathione these days. There's glutathione IV. There's no, glutathione actually, a lot of people oral. don't. So maybe you want to talk about that. Okay, and just simplify. It's kind of a new health craze, right? Just to go to the IV hydration and get some glutathione after you get schnockered with your friends on the weekend. And glutathione's a master it's antioxidant. The mother antioxidant. Mm-hmm. It helps remove toxins. Mm-hmm. It's very aggressive about removing toxins. You need to have certain things to be able to produce glutathione. That's why a lot of people are deficient mm-hmm. because their diet's bad. Yeah. But the thing with glutathione, it holds on to toxins. So it grabs on really fast, really hard to toxin, and then it's eliminated in the bile and then to the poop. The thing is, it has a like just like anything in chemistry, there's a time frame that it can do hold on and hold on to its chemistry, have that bond. And if you don't eliminate your stool 
with that glutathione toxin coupling in it in that right amount of time, what happens is the glutathione lets go mm. of the of the toxin. And so now you have free-floating toxin in the lumen of your gut that just goes straight back through the mucosa, meaning it just leaves the large intestine and goes right back into the bloodstream. So we call that re-intoxication, right? So mm. you want to get, you don't just need glutathione. You need glutathione and you need to move your, your bowels and get it out. NAC, milk thistle. So what helps move it out? And we'll talk about food. When I have somebody who's really backed up, I put them, I, I look at HCL. I may do pancreatic. I, I usually start with HEL and I'll do something, HCL, excuse me, and something to move bile. And that I may combine that with bitters. I may use tudka. It always depends on the person. And then magnesium citrate. Right, And I may add a little max vitamin C. There are different types of magnesium, but magnesium citrate is really wonderful because it just draws more fluid to the bowels. Right. I also have my clients take an electrolyte drink. We right. need those minerals. 100%. Because mm-hmm. they're so mineral deficient. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I have them do that with every meal. Yep. And I really say to my clients... I want you to eat a lot of greens, a lot of cooked greens, do green juice, lean protein, as you know, cut out the dairy and the gluten soups and stews. You know, my background in Chinese medicine, even in Chinese medicine, when you're looking at, you know, itchiness of the skin, we're always looking at liver stagnation. We look at the gallbladder. Fat Fat. is an important element in the diet. I think people, yes, fat. Why? Because what happens there? And just simply, it it stimulates your gallbladder to release bile, which stimulates peristalsis, which means you're going to move. You start your your gut's going to go. Oh, I I, I got to move because there's the stuff coming out. <laughs> it actually is like a chemical trigger to make right. the bowel start moving. So fat is really important, and I think that people are scared of fat. I think we had a large propaganda movement in the. Oh. I don't know, 90s. It's a big propaganda <laughs> movement with, and I mean, people are not going to yeah. lie, with fat and animal protein yeah. and those things are, are, are really essential. But and yes, fats I mean, fat. provide, especially certain animal fats from, you know, you know, grass finished, grass raised, grass mm. finished. They have such high concentrations of minerals that are very hard to reproduce in other sources. So getting your animal your animal fats are really important to stimulate that kind of healthy movement. That's something I always ask about because I think people are deficient. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I do? You know, a lot of times in the morning, I say to people, if they're having constipation issues, have a glass of distilled spring water, half a lemon, pinch of salt, and put a couple of teaspoons to a tablespoon of olive oil. hundred percent. That's so good. Isn't that great? Yeah. You know, I, first thing uh-huh. when you get up in the morning, because uh-huh. what does that do? It just stimulates digestion and, and bile flow. So 100%. you can have a poo. The first thing you put in your mouth, not not coffee, yeah. not coffee, no water, uh-huh. still water with the lemon. And yeah, a little bit of salt because, and we do, you know, of course, recommend certain types of salt. Don't go take in your, <laughs> your yeah, white. Yeah, do Himalayan right. or I love, what is it, Red red Mill? I have it in the yeah. house, which is like, it's from the salt beds of Utah. And people are like, Utah? I'm like, because it was part of, it was an ocean at yeah. one time. Yeah. So you have this very pure, rich salt with concentration of minerals right so that that combination is is magical especially mm-hmm. if 
the timing of it is good because again, our body has these cyclical patterns of releasing certain type of hormones. And first thing in the morning, if you get that in your mouth, you're really going to remind your body, oh, this is, I need to move. I need to wake up. I need to start detox now, you know, yes, not you're programming, you're starting the program. And believe it or not, that improves sleep when you do that. (laughs) I know it's Mm. the first thing you do in the morning and it's going to enhance your sleep, but it's, it does, it helps your sleep because you're what you're setting, you're reminding your circadian rhythm when it's supposed to trigger certain hormones. Cause that's usually people have a really messed up (laughs) circadian rhythm. Yeah. So, and knowing how much magnesium and I, and I say to people, and again, under the supervision of a practitioner like myself or Sandy is really important because you want to be able to find that sweet spot. And I feel the digestive enzymes, the magnesium, I don't introduce a probiotic right away. I want to get the bowels moving. You just can't. No. I want to see the response sometimes, you know, to other things first. <laughs> yeah. And it just can be even some simple fish oils in there and just getting people to digest their food. But also what's very important, if I have, I do castor oil yes. and on YouTube, there are some fabulous castor oil pack treatments, and you can look this up where you put castor oil on your abdomen, even around the, the liver area, all the way down to the pubic bone. Yes. And you can see this on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And you'll apply a cloth and then an electric heating pad mm-hmm. and let that castor oil help to, as it's heated up, to dislodge a lot of that fecal matter. But also what I feel when people are really congested, and this happened recently and it's happening more and more, I have people go for colonics. So do you want to talk a little about that? Because colonics, I think, can be incredibly helpful because if you look at your bowels as being pipes and you haven't had regular bowel movements in years, you're going to get a buildup of fecal matter, which is also contributing to the lack of peristalsis. Yep. And you've got to dislodge that stuff. And sometimes colonics are magic. They really do. Yeah, you actually, it's it's simple mechanics too. If you get really stopped up, like really stopped up, now we, the tube doesn't have any more length. It's going to start expanding in width. And anybody knows that, you know, you're going to have less ability to function to squeeze out if you're fully expanding now out wide (laughs) with with poo right so peristalsis is going to be weaker with a wider Mm -hmm. limb like that back up the castor oil castor oil is critical i use it for my son i use it for everybody with lyme it's like the coup de Mm -hmm. gras and honestly a good colon hydrotherapist will recommend it or use it in their practice I, i see them prep the gut a lot of times with it which is you know, one thing you can look for or ask about, are you going to use castor oil? Because it soothes the gut, it reduces inflammation in the gut. Mm-hmm. That's what one thing that's huge. And I've used that with clients' castor oil treatment for fibroids. Oh, yeah. It shrinks them. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. Yeah. It's yeah, inflammation. It really it's a power. It's powerful stuff. It's an Edgar Casey yeah. protocol. It's a coup de gras. Is <laughs> an incredible channeler of healing. I mean, I mean just... Look up Edgar Casey. Yeah. He's pretty exquisite. Yeah, for sure. Um, the getting mm-hmm. if you're doing detoxification at all, adding colon hydrotherapy into that protocol yeah. is key because you're going to have a lot of parasite die off, and that alone, parasite die off, can contribute to constipation if you're going through a 
cleanse. So that's something that, you know, if you're doing cleansing or somebody in your audience is out there, well, I I do these cleanses and they just stop me up. (laughs) You know, that's something that you're probably missing is that there's die-off happening. And can you just explain briefly to clients what colon hydrotherapy is or a colonic? Right. So what a colonic is. So basically you're going to a trained technician who knows they know this is a profession. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. They're very professional about it. They use a closed system usually and v- distilled water. It's very pure. <laughs> and yeah. they, depending, there's different setups I've seen, but sometimes they stay with you in, in the treatment. Sometimes they set you up for the mine. treatment. Uh, I, no, mine always stayed there and massage the abdomen during. I wouldn't, I f- yeah. I, I feel I, like that yeah. setup is a little you bit more to. effective. It is. I wouldn't do it any other way. I'm going to be honest. Right. It's um, more effective because also there's emotionality that comes with um, digestion, right? And feeling protected Mm -hmm. and comforted and and guided through it, it will help. But they essentially just insert a small device, like a small tube in the rectum. rectum And And it doesn't hurt. The water is warmed to Mm -hmm. just below body temperature it's just right there because if it's cold it's gonna you're gonna cramp if it's hot obviously that's bad so <laughs> really? they they have a controlled system where they they'll dial in the temperature and they and that will the great thing with colon hydrotherapy especially with the closed system where a person's sitting with you is it will literally flush if you don't have a tremendous amount of back blockages it will flush mm-hmm. the entire large intestine I mean, you'll loosen things that have been blocked up, you know, all the way down to your appendix. Now, if you think of the anatomy, you go rectum, descending colon, transverse colon, and then ascending colon, if we're going backwards, right? And the appendix mm-hmm. is down there at the ascending colon. We met people, what do you think causes appendicitis? <laughs> Stuff gets stuck it's in there, it's, right? It's stuck. <laughs> so yeah. getting that all cleaned out is really great. But I've had clients that I've had to send for like multiple sessions before they're even able to really get clean. They're so constipated. <laughs> I had a, a client recently and I just finally said, you, you've got to do colonics. Nothing's moving. And, you know, this is a crucial part of of your healing. And she had um, mycotoxins and she had a variety of things, which is due to more. Right. So she had gone for a colonic and the therapist said, you need to come back the next yeah, day. Exactly. And I mean, she had, I'm going to be graphic. She had to help pull a lot of stuff out. That's how backed up she was. And she went for a series and now she's going. It's very, very important. And if you go to a really good therapist, it can change your life. It really, really can. So colonics are important and some people may not need them. But if you've been chronically constipated, I think it's really good. And I want to mention this because I feel it's important. Anybody that's had chronic constipation, you have parasites. Yeah. <laughs> and even people that don't have chronic constipation, anytime you have that stagnation going on in the bowels, you're going to be more susceptible and you don't have a good bacteria in the gut and you've got dysbiosis, you're going to have parasites. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think people can get around yeah. it. And so many of the chronic therapists I know, they said to clients, See that? You've got a parasite. That's right. So what 100%. you and I do, and we're going to discuss this in our next podcast, is it's very crucial once you get the bowels moving, strategizing, what's the next phase to start clearing the bacteria in the gut, start to 
build a good microflora, microbiome, right. but also paying attention to how do we, and we'll go maybe more into coffee enemas and different things in the next segment. Yep. How do we start addressing those underlying parasites? They can be long and they can be like 70%. You're not going to see right. a lot of liver flukes. There's a, there's a yep. lot of things. And stool testing is really helpful. Sometimes they don't show up, but you have to do it in stages. That's why you want to work with a good practitioner. Right, 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 Sandy. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's hard for us as Americans to hear when you're dealing with parasites, but it's, it's true. a reality. You're, eating, um, you're never yeah. going to deal, you're never, never going to detox well if you don't address parasites because parasites are yeah. our sponge. It's God's given sponge to cleaning up toxins. And guess what? This world is getting really toxic. So yep. they, they, they hold they on hold to on all to of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you really got to get them out to get a, a good clean detox. And yeah, like you said, you know, you gotta, sometimes you just have to get them moving, get them out, get what you've got and, in there out. <laughs> and, and also in South America, I mean, they, conventional docs know about this. Oh, they yeah. deal with parasites. Yeah. You know, docs here in the States really, really don't. Right. So, but what the great thing about addressing constipation, if you're having fibroid, endometriosis, migraines, depression, mm -hmm. ADD, ADHD, mm -hmm. any of these things, skin conditions, mm -hmm. seizures, seizures, seizures you know, oh, yeah. oh my God, you have to address detoxification. And that first starts with the bowels. Yep. And I've seen a lot of people, and Sandy, you've seen this too, with a detox. And I'm like, oh my God, your bowels aren't moving. Where's it going to go? Yeah, no, I highly- Where's it going to go? Um, well, you ooh, know those ooh, memes. Don't do that. Those memes were one. I do not recommend this strategy. Well, I do not recommend the strategy where you start no. detoxing and your gut's a mess because you will you will hit a crisis. <laughs> you will hurt yourself. Right. <laughs> so get get your gut healthy. <laughs> get your gut healthy. Making sure that you have ample bile flow. Mm -hmm. That your liver duct is open. That the bowels are open. Mm -hmm. That your lymphatic system, everything's got, and, and the kidneys, and all of this has to be open and to detox, say, but it all starts with poo. I always, my business is called Clean Living Basics, and it's called that because the you, you got to start with the basics, and pooping is kind of oh, basic. Yeah. Even in addressing how we order getting you pooping, the basics, mm -hmm. right? Think about food water things like that how much are yeah. you how much water are you drinking are you functionally yes. dehydrated look i work in an operating room a couple of days a week and i can't go to the bathroom when i want and so do i get dehydrated oh, wow. oh yeah <laughs> you know so when yeah. you're traveling yeah. and the point is is, is to em empower women uh, and men to really mm -hmm. know okay life isn't one line it's not you are always changing it's not linear. you're traveling yeah you encounter stress everything is dynamic in your life so being able to troubleshoot your own body is the key so start with the basics get clean air clean water clean food make sure you're hydrated when it comes to pooping make sure you're eating the rainbow getting enough of those and bitters. also <laughs> uh, two things mm -hmm. sleep a hundred percent you got to get eight to nine. I, I, I I'm going to say you need eight to nine hours sleep. Yep. People hit the ground running. They need sleep. And so also <laughs> finding ways to start dealing with stress. Yeah. Right. And we'll talk about that more in the next episode. But decompressing. I had a, I've had clients say to me, 
I can't go to the bathroom. Uh, I have to go to a meeting. And I'm like, you keep doing that. You're telling your body that you don't have to go to the bathroom. And that's going to dysregulate your bowel movement. And what's weird is, you know, in other cultures, even in Europe, they like value, they really value rest. I mean, my Mm -hmm. family's from Germany. It, the, mm-hmm. it is provided by the government that you get holiday in the summer and a month, a month of it. I don't care. A month. I don't care if you're secretary. You get a month. They value, mm-hmm. they understand the stress component. And I think that we as Americans, you know, how many people have multiple streams of income? They're running themselves crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're in fight or flight 90% of the time. And that that fight or flight is the opposite part of the nervous system from rest and digest. So if you're dominant on that side where you're constantly like awake and alert and and you can't come down because you got a million things you got to do right now, you're training, like you were saying, you're training your autonomic, your nervous system that's always working in the background to not rest and digest. And so you're actually training your gut to not poop. (laughs) Training your gut not to poop. You're training your gut not to digest. Mm -hmm. So that's another yeah. thing that we focus on in our practices. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah. You come from acupuncture. Of oh course, you're going to work on the parasympathetic, which is that. Sort of well, I'm not doing, I, I don't do acupuncture you, anymore. You came from that. Though, so that's your, oh, my yeah. background came. Yeah. yeah. My background is Chinese medicine. Right. And yes, I always think about that. That's why I have that East meets West. But right. So, yes. you know, one thing we, we really need we do a lot of is, is trying, you know, making first, making people aware and helping them mm-hmm. see it in their lives and then really giving them the tools to start calming down that part of the, you know, the nervous system and helping dominate the rest and digest side, which that could be teaching them some sleep habits. I mean, just sleep habits, you know, preparing for sleep bed, changes you know, um, essential oils. Those are, I use those a lot because they work yeah. so quickly through the olfactory system to turn that side of the nervous system on. And that will help profoundly get the nervous system ready to rest, you know, things like that. These are all things you can do to help get yourself back into rest and digest mode. <laughs> so I just want to reiterate with people, Try to go for more a whole food diet. If you're having constipation issues, I would recommend cutting out the gluten. And as one of my colonic, my friends who was a colonic therapist, she's like, it's like cement in the gut. It just backs things up. And I would cut out gluten and dairy for a while. Mm -hmm. A lot of soups, stews. You want to hydrate your body. You want to hydrate the bowels. Looking at doing a castor oil pack, looking at what are the ways that I can relax my body. I would look into, there's a video by uh, Lizzie Hill. Oh, I think that's her name. And it's Nidra Yoga and, or Yoga Nidra. Is it Yoga Nidra? Nidra Yoga. Mm -hmm. N-I-D-R-A. And what it basically is, it's the last position in yoga of Shivasana. It's the, the death position or death pose. And you're just lying on the floor. A corpse pose. Corpse pose. Corpse pose. They also call it the death oh, pose. okay. The corpse pose, whatever. And uh, you're probably right. <laughs> but that position, and then you will be guided through this meditation, lying on the ground, little pillow under your head, something under your knees. You do nothing. And what it it can actually reset your nervous system within a month. 
and you do this guided meditation every day, this will start resetting your limbic system, your parasympathetic, your nervous system. And breathing exercises, breathing, (laughs) moving, walking. But I, I feel that for so many people, we're just so stressed. That's exactly right. People are, I mean, there's so much we can recommend. We're stressed. I would avoid laxatives. I would avoid Miralax. There's ingredients in Miralax. That's an antifreeze. There's a lot you can do. Oh, yeah. And I think we started to cover some of this. So what I will do, I'm going to provide Sandy's info in the show notes. We will be back in the next few weeks. We're going to do part two on detoxing. We're going to take a deeper dive and we're going to look at, okay, phase two, we're getting the bowels moving. How do we we address the microbiome? How do we start looking at bacterial overgrowth, such as a yeast? How do we deal with parasites and a variety of other factors that will optimize your overall health? Yes. So any closing words, my love? I just want people to learn to rest, enjoy their life. That's where it starts, really. You know, loving your gut starts with loving yourself (laughs) because there's so much emotion involved in that. And so just take the time and enjoy. Find something you love about yourself and post it on your mirror. Look at it every day. (laughs) You know, I love that. That's important. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. I think that's a great place to start and a great place to end. Sandy, thank you so much for being here today. And I want to thank all my listeners. And if you would like to find out more about my practice or work with me, you can go to megrichichi.com or you can shoot me an email. All my contact information is on my website. Again, I will include all of Sandy's contact info. She is really extraordinary. And I mean this when it comes to Lyme and dealing with chronic fatigue and dealing with kids that are really challenged with some serious health issues. This is who I refer people to, and she is extraordinary. So everyone, until the next podcast of the Hormone Lifestyle Zone, I send you hugs, I send you grace, I send you many blessings, and may you have glorious poos. Take good care and be well. See you later.